0: That's BlueNile.com.
1: The Self Love Club, where boss women share their stories to empower others. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Hello and welcome to a new episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we get into this week's ep, a couple of quick things. If you're not already, can you pretty please subscribe to the Self Love Club on whatever podcast app you're listening on? It really helps and meaning we can continue to put these episodes out for you. Also, we're at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there for daily content, IGTV clips of interviews, heaps of cool things. And if you are listening, make sure you tag us so we can see where you are and we can repost this. You also find me at Bell Crawford on Instagram. And I've just launched my newsletter, which you can subscribe to by going to the bottom of my homepage at bellcrawford.com. You'll get updates on guests before anyone else knows who's coming on the podcast, some inside scoops, also videos, book club, and recommendations for you. Right, let's get into this week's episode. Georgia Love is a Melbourne based TV journalist and presenter, and was previously the Bachelorette Australia where she met her now fiance Lee. From the highest of highs straight into the lowest of lows, Georgia's mum passed away from pancreatic cancer the day after the popular show's finale aired. In this episode, we talk about building a career, being body shamed on a media scale, grief, and navigating a new normal. We're so lucky to have Georgia Love on the Self Love Club podcast and a quick note we did record this during lockdown and it's pretty good at some points there is a bit of rustling from Georgia's headphones but I know you're really going to enjoy this one. Georgia welcome to the Self Love Club thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry we're uh, we're socially distanced from each other. <laughs> I know. Um, we've been meaning to catch up a bit while I've been in Melbourne, but I'm glad that we can finally do it via Zoom. So thank you so much for joining me. Tell us about yourself and what you do. I feel like I'm speed dating or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 31.
0: Um, I am currently engaged to... My lovely fiancé Lee, who I met on The Bachelorette Australia um, nearly four years ago, which is which blows my mind a bit. It Doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Um, and I'm a TV journalist and um, and a writer. So I've been in journalism for probably nine years now, and, and working in TV all of that time. And yeah, doing the you know the chase out on the road and the general news reporting by day, and do some news reading and, and weather presenting as well
1: yeah, now we'll talk through all of that soon. take us back. Where did you grow up, and did you know growing up what you wanted to do?
0: Uh, I, I grew up in Melbourne, so um, had a really nice, lovely, cushy life in in uh, Bayside suburb of Melbourne, and I knew I wanted to be a journalist from when I was probably about uh, pretty much as long as I can remember you know, kind of young teenage. I had a family friend who was a newsreader for one of our biggest TV networks here. And I just kind of always, you, you know, I always knew him growing up and I just thought, God, oh, that's a cool job and he's got the best life. And I think it kind of just planted somewhere in my head. And I've always been news junkie from when I was little. I I was obsessed with reading. The, like the day that I learned to read, I would just read whatever I could see. Um, and that translated to newspapers. So I was like, seven-year-old sitting and reading the whole Sunday newspaper on the weekend uh, when everyone else, all my other friends are playing netball and stuff. Like I was that nerd. So I think it was just kind of always in me. I I love the news. I've always been really interested in kind of getting to the bottom of stuff and finding out more. And I love telling stories as well. So it kind of just made sense.
1: Yeah. And so did you do like a lot of work experience or how did you get into it? Did you go study?
0: Yeah, so I studied journalism at RMIT, which is one of our big unis here in Melbourne. Um, It's kind of known as the, the best um, course for broadcast journalism, so TV and radio. I honestly think, though, it's it's, it's your first job that gets you the next job and, and so on. I think it's good to do a uni course these days to show that, you know, you can stick to something for three years, but I reckon that's about all <laughs> it's worth, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I did study straight out of school. Um, as I said, I was a bit of a nerd, so I just kind of pushed on through. I enjoyed studying. And then um, just kind of went out there into the workforce. So got the really typical, I won't say the word I was going to say, but, uh, you know, (laughs) job at the bottom of the ladder. Uh, As it always is. (laughs) And then, yeah, I think once you've got a job, it it makes it easier to then to get a job. So moved out regionally to regional Victoria and just kind of made contacts and kept in touch with people and slowly worked my way up that ladder. Uh, Ended up moving to Tasmania Um, Which I thought was going to be for, you know, the kind of typical 12 to 18 months of, I'll go do my regional bit. Yeah. And And I absolutely fell in love with it. And I ended up being there for nearly five years.
1: You love Tassie, don't you? I've heard you talk about how much you love that place. I
0: love it so much. I keep wondering why they're not calling me and asking me (laughs) to be an official ambassador. But everyone puts out, it's because they already do it for free. So why would they pay me? (laughs) What did you love? Yeah. What did you love so much about Tasmania? Well, to be honest, it's a lot like New Zealand. I think um, they're beautiful, amazing, friendly people, food and wine absolutely second to none, beautiful scenery. It's quiet so it's small enough that, you know, you can kind of get around and feel like you know everyone but not in a creepy way and you can kind of walk everywhere or you can get anywhere within a short amount of time but it's not like a, you know, tumbleweed going down the street kind of quiet yeah it's just, it, it's it's a, lot, it's a lot like a lot of New Zealand actually yeah um I just love it I think coming from Melbourne too where it is so hustle and bustle all the time and you know that typical Melbourne thing is the cliche is so true of everyone's you know wearing black and drinking yeah. coffee and, you know, heads down and <laughs> shuffling in the streets and then in Tassie you walk down the street and people stop to say hello and uh, I, I remember when I was very first down there my mum came to visit we were going for a walk and someone not just kind of said hello as they walked past, but slowed down and went, hi, how are you going? How's your day? And they kept walking. My mum goes, oh, that's so exciting. They recognise you from the TV.
1: I went, no, no, they're just as many. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. You did have, um, talk us through what you were doing workwise there, because you were like presenting the news and quite young as well.
0: Yeah. So I moved down there for a reporter role. So they're out on the road doing OBs and stuff. Um, And then, so I started in Longceston, which is at the north of the state. And then I moved down to Hobart, which is the capital city, because I got the job as weekend news presenter, which was, just blew my mind. I was so excited about that. And I was 25, which is really young to be doing news presenting. And I was just it blew my mind. I was so excited. Um, and then after a year the uh the weekday presenter ended up retiring. So I stepped into that. Something to do with kneecapping in there. But anyway, I don't know, can't tell you the details.
1: <laughs> well, wow, that's so oh. impressive though. Like, well done. I know it was a wee while back, but that's that's really impressive that you managed to do that, you know. You must have been working really hard.
0: Oh, yeah, thank you. I feel like I don't know if this is one of these, you know, things that we do as humans this day and age where we make excuses or whatever but I do feel like it was a bit of right place at the right time which you know life pans out that way but yeah I was thankful to be there at the right time and obviously impress the right people yeah (laughs) yeah I I, I loved loved my job
1: Yeah. yeah well done and then you went from that to then becoming you were doing that and you still are a news journalist you became the bachelorette how did that all come about Yeah, so I was
0: sitting at work one day and I literally got a phone call um, from a producer at Warner Brothers saying your name has come up in our searches for who we want to be the next Bachelorette and would you be interested? And if so, we'll kind of start talking about it. And I thought it was a prank call, so I wrote down the girl's name and I Googled it afterwards and lo and behold she was a producer from Warner Brothers. Um, So I kind of thought this is going to be one of those really funny Stories to tell about how I kind of went through the process of becoming the bachelorette and just kind of went along with it. And then while all that was happening, my mum was actually diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So it just really flipped my thinking on everything. It changes the priorities Mm. and things like that. So all of a sudden I thought, okay, well, here I am interstate from my mum while she's going through this. This could be, you know, this could bring me back to Melbourne and back home with her, but also a real kind of life perspective shift. I'd moved away. I'd had relationships fail time and time again because I kept moving for work and kept putting work first. So I thought, well, maybe this is a a sign from above that I should be putting um, kind of, you know, relationships and family or, or love first. So I kind of took it a bit more seriously from there and mm. um, it happened, they chose me for yeah. some
1: unknown reason. <laughs> and they were, they were looking for someone quite career-focused for this. You know, that's what they were. They kind of – I've heard of what they were looking for and you sort of fit what they were wanting really, so it was perfect that it worked out.
0: Yeah, again, right place, right time. <laughs> I think. Uh, and I think that having the surname love probably helped as
1: well. Yeah. <laughs> the promo wrote itself. Exactly. Perfect. And so talk us through your time as the Bachelorette. What is the experience like? I can imagine it's incredibly intense and, you know, having to yeah. pick people and, and you're in the spotlight and it's, it must be a lot. Yeah, it is. But in the most fabulous way, I think um, I
0: had such a wonderful experience. I really can't talk negatively about it at all I loved it I loved every day I got to do the most amazing things and hang out with really cool people um some some really cool people (laughs) some not so cool (laughs) it's it's incredibly intense so um we'd be filming Monday to Saturday And there would be genuinely there were days that were 4 a.m. starts and 2 a.m. finishes. Um, And then the Sunday you'd just try to catch up on any sleep and do the prep for the next week, which might be, you know, kind of catching up on interviews or, you know, things as little and silly as getting a spray tan (laughs) for your next cocktail party. Um, So it was a really, really intense schedule. But I really loved it. The schedule kind of went each day, single date, group date, um, then a day full of interviews, then cocktail party and rose ceremony. Then the day after that was always a publicity day, so whether that was kind of doing a shoot for a magazine or uh, going in to do an interview. Mm. Um, So it just rolled on and on. And the, the most bizarre part was when it starts, so it was filmed in Sydney, so I flew straight from Tassie to Sydney Flew there, had a day full of interviews of all those, you know, the starting interviews that are kind of like, what kind of man are you looking for and <laughs> why has it never worked out before and who are you and the all The Christians that. we all
1: love, hey, it's like, why are you single? Exactly. Why don't you have exactly. a boyfriend? I don't know. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Um, yeah so it was a
0: day full of them and then the next day was like, the arrivals mm. and then after that was the first single date so it was it was straight in yeah and then from then it just didn't stop it was go 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 the whole time so it was three months of just I didn't I didn't stop I think mm. afterwards I kind of looked back and went whoa like that yeah. would just
1: happen did it? you <laughs> did you expect I mean you obviously went into this hoping to meet somebody, and you have, and we'll talk through that soon, but did you have instant connections with people? Uh, w- was it hard to build that in that sort of environment? The first that first answer is yes and the second is no. At the,
0: si- at the point that I signed up, there was only one couple from Australian Bachelor or Bachelorette, the whole franchise, who wasn't together, only mm. one. And I think with the two shows combined, I was about the sixth Person doing it, I think, and there was only one that wasn't together. So I, you know, maybe naively, but, you know, luckily it worked out, but maybe naively, I just wholeheartedly believed that it would work. I just trusted in not even so much the process of the show, but more kind of in the universe that, well, Somebody literally called me out of the blue while I was at work one day to offer me this. That must be because I'm meant to do it and that must be because the person I'm meant to meet is also doing it. I just Mm. truly believed that and I probably sound a bit woo-woo saying that and I'm not really. I just kind of thought... You know, there's, there's got to be some reason that they've randomly called me of all of the people in Australia. Um, so I just believed it. So mm-hmm. I took it really, really seriously. Yeah. In, uh, you know, in, I had fun, but, uh, you know, I had instant connections with a few people and rather than kind of going day one, yep, I'm done, that's the one. I'm like, okay, no, I want to do this seriously because also if I marry one of these people, <laughs> these are
1: the last first dates I'm ever going to have. Yeah. So I'm going to have fun with them. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Yeah. And at the end, you did pick Lee, who you are still with now and you're engaged to. Was he, do you think looking back, he was, obviously, he's the right person for you completely. But looking back on the show, was he the only one that was really right for you there? He was definitely my favourite the entire time. And that's the
0: one thing I can say with absolute clarity, because one of the, um, Not a producer, but she's you kind of have have two girls that work with you. They're they're called assistant producers, associate producers, who are kind of there to keep your company and make sure you don't go insane the whole time, but they're not actually involved in the producing process. And one of them, every so often at random points, it might be, you know, four o'clock in the morning when I just rolled out of bed or it might be at the end of a date, she'd just randomly go, okay, top two right now. And to do that just to make me kind of think about where my head was at. And the only person the whole way who was in that top two was Lee. Every single time she asked me, it was always, always him. And the second person would always <laughs> change.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good. And then obviously you went from a huge high of the show and while you were filming, your mum was very sick And so you went from a big high to a huge low. So talk us through that. Yeah, so she was um,
0: diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in April. Um, I started filming... Bachelorette in June I knew that she was sick obviously but I didn't really know much about pancreatic cancer she didn't really tell me or my sister much about it obviously now in hindsight I know because she knew how bad it was and how kind of quick it can be so she went downhill pretty quickly but she was very 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 supportive of me doing the show very Mm -hmm. Uh, that's something I battled with a lot afterwards of course you know should I not have done it and stayed home with her but if that had happened I would have still been in Tassie I wouldn't have been able to spend much time with her and, and all those sorts of things. Um, you anyway, know, she's she's very supportive of that. But I filmed for three months. Uh, finished filming in August. We went on a big family holiday for her 60th birthday in September. We went to Italy and France, uh, which was so cool. Was as adults. Getting to travel with your parents was so so nice, and she was pretty. She just really slowed down and lost a lot of weight by then. And but you know, but she was good. We're walking the streets of Rome every day and these kind of things. And then six weeks after that, she passed away, oh. which which ended up being because obviously Bachelor pre recorded. So by the time it went to air, um, she died. 24 hours after our
1: finale went to air. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's so sad. It was, the
0: way you say the, you know, the highs to the lows, it's just, you can't even put into words how true that is. It was truly the Thursday night, Lee and I got to walk outside together for the first time in, you know, since we'd met in June and the world got to know we were together and we were so excited for that and then... Friday night, Mum d- died, which mm. is just I mean, then it's so it's so awful and messed up for so many ways that when you know it was really really, really difficult on our relationship. I got a lot of guilt, of course, about having been so focused on the show and should I have spent more time with her? and yeah, it was mm. the the only silver lining, and certainly not a positive, but a silver lining is that she she left knowing that I was happy that i was with someone and having literally seen that whole story play out and you know he met her on on the last day and i just i believe enough that that she kind of that timing was too coincidental right it just kind yeah. of felt like everything was in place and um she waited till then, which is pretty
1: special, yeah. but also really heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And then you, at that, that time, you know, everyone, media wanting to talk to you, all those interviews that happen, you know, how did that all play out? Because you probably weren't wanting to do that kind of thing when your mum had, was dying and, and just passed away.
0: Yeah, every not everyone, but the huge majority were, were really um, respectful Of that, well, I had had to come out and say publicly that she was in palliative care because there was a paparazzi that it came back to Channel 10, who who was uh, the channel that put on Bachelorette, it came back to them that there was a paparazzi trying to sell a photo of me walking into the palliative care centre. So Channel 10 took the front foot and we decided to announce it myself so that this arsehole didn't get any money for announcing that. So. People who knew me had known that mum was in palliative care anyway, so the media was already a bit more respectful of it. Usually the day after the finale you'd just do the huge big media round and all the radio interviews and all the TV and stuff, and uh, I just said I want to spend today with mum. So I did. we did a couple of radio interviews on just on the phone um, from home in the morning and then we just went and spent the whole day with mum and then after that, you know, after we had to... Announced that she passed away. Everyone really, pretty much, left me alone. Yeah. Um, and it was me. It was me that ended up going back, out asking to do some interviews after about a month because I wanted to talk about pancreatic cancer awareness. Mm. So I said, "No, I'm I'm happy to talk as long as you let me talk about this." So yeah, that was kind of the only uh, way I could go out there again. I don't know how I would have really done that otherwise. It mm. would have felt really wrong to then just go back and start talking about my relationship, which seemed so futile in everything else that was going on.
1: Mm, What was that like? You know, you've just met somebody, you've got a new relationship, your mum has just passed away, you are grieving. I can imagine the next however long was just incredibly hard and challenging for you. What was that like also in the throes of a new relationship while you're going through something like that? And obviously Lee was incredibly supportive and the right person to be with you through that time.
0: Yeah, he. thank God, right? Um, but that said, it was incredibly challenging on in our relationship, incredibly. The fact that we made it through that first year is what makes me confident that he's the man I'm meant to be with mm. far more than anything else. It was like, you know, it was, it was effed. Yeah. <laughs> it was really I'd, I'll never know any other way because I wasn't given that opportunity. But going through the grief if, of that level of it being quite sudden of having the, the guilt surrounding it and it just being someone as close as your mum is always going to be tough on a relationship. Mm. Um, now put that aside. Starting a new relationship in the public eye when really you've only ever spent, you know, a handful of days together. And yes, they're intense and yes, you've developed feelings, but realistically, you've, you've probably spent about, I don't know, three weeks together all up. So starting a brand new relationship in the public eye like that is really, really hard. Mm. Now, put those two things together, and I don't know how we didn't kill each other or. <laughs> break up at the very least Mm. it was it was horrible for him you know I I was this completely different person because I was just enveloped by this grief and I didn't want to get out of bed I didn't want to do anything I was just miserable and you know that's not what he signed up for it's not what anyone signs up for and I don't mean in terms of going on The Bachelorette and signing up to be in a fun public relationship. I mean just deciding to be with someone. You know, he he fell in love with me as uh, being this happy person who we'd have really in-depth conversations and we'd, um, you know, like, had the same interests and we'd talk about all these things and I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to do anything. He didn't know how on earth to deal with me because he didn't really know me mm. all that well. He didn't know what I was like, you know, when I had PMS. He didn't know what I was like when I'd had a shit day at work, let alone what on earth to do with me when I was in the depths of grief. He didn't really know my family to try to know how to handle them while they're all going through grief as well. It was a really awful time for him, but he stood by me and he he helped in the best way that he could. And he's, you know, God touch wood, but he's <laughs> never lost anyone close to him. So he doesn't know, he doesn't understand grief mm. and, It was really, really hard. And I I don't understand grief. You know, my two grandpas died when I was quite young, but I've still got my grandmas even. And as much as apart from a family pet a few years ago, the first person really close to me who's died since I've been an adult is my
1: mum. How? I don't know how to deal with that. And you were incredibly close with your mum too, weren't you?
0: Oh yeah. It sounds like such a cliche, which I hate, but it's but we she genuinely was my best friend. Mm. Genuinely. We just we were the same person. She I just lent on her for everything. Uh I think particularly because I'd been living interstate for so long, you know, we were forced to, you know, have the the big long catch-up conversations on the phone. Mm. She'd come down and stay with me for a week rather than it just being the kind of, you know, you go and see your mum and dad on a, for a Friday night for dinner or whatever. She was my bestie yeah. and it always was. It was very, I've got one sister and it was a real kind of cliche of the first daughter was the real daddy's girl and then um, I'm the youngest and I'm not a daddy's girl at all. I was just like attached to mum the whole time and that, you know, into adulthood Mm. as well. So, yeah, I I lost my person at a time when my whole life was thrown upside down and changed Mm. anyway. And I think one of the hardest parts was because of the timing, it didn't feel real for a long time. My whole life felt weird. My whole life was different. I was in a different state. I wasn't working in the same job that I'd been doing and that I'd been loving. I had a new partner. Um, You know, I walked down the street and people would know who I was. I'd have to think about... You know, whether I was body wearing makeup down to the shops, because you know, from of those first few months after a show like that, it's just this weird, mm. weird level of of people wanting to know what you're doing. Um, my whole life was different. And for a long time it just kind of felt like mum not being there was part of that. Mm. It just was like, Okay, I'm in this weird new life right now and, and mum's not there, but that's all part of it. Mm. And then as other things started returning to normal, as you know, People didn't care what I was doing on a Tuesday morning, walking out of my house. As I got back into work, as I settled back into being in Melbourne, um, my relationship settled back in. The only thing that didn't go back to normal was that mum didn't come back. Mm. And it took a really long time for that to really hit, which of course then just
1: extended and compounded the grief. How did you get through that time? Like, obviously you're incredibly strong and you just, you know, went through it all, but How did you get through that time where you were navigating a new normal?
0: I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. Um, I didn't have a choice, right? Mm. It was get through it or completely fall apart and have everything that I had worked for and loved fall away. I, I felt that a lot when I was kind of getting back into work. Of course I wanted to just stay in bed and cry and feel sorry for myself, but if I did that then... You know, all these years of hard work I'd done would have gone out the window because I would have, you know, lost opportunities. But far more than that, it was, you know, mental health of doing stuff to distract myself and mm. to make myself feel better I don't know. I don't know how I got
1: through. I just, ha- I had to, I think. I just mm. had to. There was also a lot of attention on you now. And I know that there was articles where you were being like body shamed. How did, talk us through that and how that all happened.
0: Yeah. So for anyone who is listening, doesn't know what I look like. I'm like a size eight to 10. Like You're
1: tiny. And are you quite tall girl. as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm not like I'm I'm not tiny, but I'm I'm a small normal, hmm. right? I'm not I'm not big at all. No. Um you're not. And yes. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um there were numerous articles, body shaming, circling my tummy and questioning if I was pregnant and <sighs> people calling me Thunder Thighs. Um like I'm not a you know, I'm not a Victoria's Secret model, but Jesus, who is? right? <laughs> I mean, uh, some people are, but, you know, not, not normal people. And it's just this, it was just this, oh, you know what media is like in that way. It's just that anyone with any kind of profile has to look like Megan Gale or they're trolled. Or from Megan Gale gets trolled too. It's just uh, having all of that thrown in when it just made it all so much more futile. And maybe that's another silver lining I can take from the whole thing is that all those really dumb, aspects that get so many people so down and after these shows and really affect people's mental health I just looked at and went oh get stuffed!" like honestly that's what that's not the biggest problem in my life right now if mm. you think I'm pregnant because I've got a normal sized belly rather than a six-pack so mm. I think maybe it's a slight silver lining is that I tried I didn't let that get to me too much I had far more serious stuff happening in my life but it just I've always found that aspect of reality t v in particular quite bizarre, how people mm. get really obsessed with every little thing that people are doing. It was super weird to have that happening for myself, but again, I've never let any of that kind of get to me because I've just had way more serious stuff going on. I think it's dumb. Mm. I'm so normal, I'm so boring. who cares what I'm wearing you know if I as I said in those early days and I think they especially with something like The Bachelor and Bachelorette they always want to catch you looking like you've had a fight with your new partner I don't know why that is there's this fascination Mm. for the first six months of every magazine wants to write that you've broken up
1: yeah or they're faking Um, it you know like it's not even real you know
0: exactly so I think they're always trying to catch a photo of either of us looking angry or sad or anything but Like my mum died, so I looked sad all the time, so
1: Mm. I think. Leave (laughs) me alone.
0: That kind of took that away from them at least. Yeah. God, all of that's well and truly ended now. We're just, everyone's going, oh, they're really normal and quite boring. (laughs) I was leaving them
1: alone. (laughs) There was, exactly. There was one particular article I've heard you speak about where, you know, it came out and they were comparing you. Just, you know, had you just eaten, you said you'd eaten some pasta and you were in the water and, you know, and they were putting you against people who were like actual photo shoots, which hello, like that's not fair. And it also came out on the day of your mum's birthday. Like how horrible is that?
0: Yeah, it was horrendous. So, I said before, we all went to Italy for mum's 60th. Um, a year later, um, my dad, my sister, and I actually went back for what would have been her 61st birthday to um, scatter some ashes. So, I tied that into a holiday with Lee as well. Um, and so, it was uh, <laughs> the photos were taken on my birthday. And came out on Mum's birthday, which is only a week later. So on what? Yeah, on the day that we were, I was waking up that day in the place that I'd been with her a year before. But I was waking up to scatter her ashes, and I woke up and opened my phone, and people had all sent me these photos, and it was oh, please don't Google them. This so oh, I know, I will not. But and you don't don't Google you're bu- you're beautiful no, anyway. Like, like- I don't care. Oh no, no, but it's not even that. I'm not I'm not like don't Google them because I look bad ill. And like don't let those stupid people who publish them get any more clicks. Exactly. But anyway, I look horrendous. Like I do, but I don't care because I was on holiday with my boyfriend. It was my birthday. We'd gone to a beach club and I'd eaten my body weight in pasta. Yes. I have curly <laughs> I have curly hair naturally. It was wet. It looked like I look horrendous. And I look like my about six months pregnant I look horrendous but I don't care I was on a private holiday with my boyfriend on my birthday and somehow someone's taken a bloody photo of me and then yeah it came out ironically on my mum's birthday it was on a front cover of a magazine and it was um batchy bodies and it was all these photos of the Sophie Monk and all, you know, the Bachelor girls who do their little bikini photo shoots during the Bachelor. And I'm not a bikini person. You don't want to see me in a bikini at the best of times. But, they, you know, the stylized photo shoots in a studio when they've got fake tan and they're holding yeah. themselves in because of a professional photographer. And then there was me looking like a whale on an Italian beach, like a white pasta-filled curly-haired abomination. <laughs> And the worst part of it was they used a quote from me from an interview I had done before next to this photo and the quote says, it was like, you know, off her body, Georgia says, I don't care what people think, I'm happy with my shape and size. And then it said, you go, girl. And I was like, do you dare use my words to body shame me? Oh, my like, God. That's the most thinly veiled body shaming I've ever seen. And if you'd let me actually have a quote on that photo, it would have been... Very different to that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was
1: horrible. Uh, yeah. It was
0: horrible. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of laugh about it now because it was so stupid, but that was three years ago. I can laugh about it now. I was not laughing at the time. I was beside myself, mm. beside myself. Well, it was my mum's birth. I was scattering her ashes, and that's what I'm waking up to, mm. being body shaped by freaking tabloid writers. It was horrendous.
1: Yeah. And, you couldn't, and then after that point, you weren't even wanting to wear bikinis, right? You think? I think you said you threw them out.
0: Oh, yeah, I've never worn, a black a proper bikini again. I've, That's I've so the only bikinis I wear are, are high-waisted. And, again, I feel oh, I don't want to, I'm not being woe is me and I hope that it doesn't come across no. that way. It's not that at all. And I don't think, And you know, people aren't photographing me. It's not about that. But it made me feel so conscious and it, it put in front of me that you don't look like everyone else that, you know, is in your position or you don't look like you should you know, for being someone who was on The Bachelorette or whatever, and it's just it's made me feel that in myself. I said, I'm not a model. I don't I don't look good in bikinis. The difference is before it didn't matter, and now I have this weird thing in the back of my head like, oh, is someone going to look at me like this and compare me and put me down and put me on a bloody magazine because mm. I don't look like Steph Clare Smith? <laughs> um, so it's it's made me really. It's made me a lot more conscious in that kind of thing. And I don't feel like that around the house or in myself, but if I'm ever in any kind of public situation, it's really, really hard not to think like that when Mm. someone's plastered you on the front, page
1: of a magazine and, and shamed you about it, mm. it's really hard Yeah, you're, you're good on you for um, sort of getting through that because that must, I can't even imagine, that must be incredibly hard. So being on the Bachelorette, did you ever, I know you went with it because you thought this must be coming up for a reason and you went with it and I really actually admire that because I think sometimes opportunities come up and we'll, we'll think about, it. I know I do, I'm like, oh, I don't know like you sort of, sometimes you just going to go for it. Did you ever worry about what it would mean for your career that you had worked really hard for I know that things are still great now and you're still working as a tv journalist in a bigger state but did you ever worry about that oh yes yeah absolutely that was that was my only reservation the whole time I had no
0: reservations about anything else but that was a huge one and that I, I very nearly didn't do it For that reason, and I think if Mum hadn't have got sick, I wouldn't have um, wouldn't have done it because of that. You know, I see how people look at reality TV stars, for want of a better term. I know how they're viewed in the wider community, and especially in the media. And I really thought, well, I probably won't be taken seriously as a journalist again, even though I think that's stuffed. I think that's really wrong. Mm. But I knew that that's the way that people would look at me but at the end of the day I I weighed up the options and with everything that was happening with mum you know I wanted to find someone I really did and as I said I would had relationships fail because of moving I'd had a big heartbreak a a year before and and I just thought well at this stage I think this is this is my priority Mm. and um, I've got A lot of skills I know that I'm good at my job and I'm sure I'll never be a newsreader again but you know I'm a good writer and you know I don't know I'll find something else that I'm good at but thankfully I have ended up obviously back in news I, I purposely kept my head down for almost a year afterwards I really didn't want to I thought if I went straight back into news I would get the whole you know why is the Bachelorette on the news? Mm. Like, oh, so she only went on there to be on TV and I really didn't want no. that. I'd done way too much hard work for too long before that to, to have that thrown back in my face. So I really put my head down and my bum up for a while and just kind of worked behind the scenes as as much as I could until I kind of garnered a bit of respect back. It sounds horrible. making Aussie sounds terrible, like no one respects anyone. No, I, but think I think that happens you
1: know. regardless of the country you're in. I think, yeah, it's it's yeah. a really unfortunate, perception and especially mm. you had built this career that you have been working on for so long before you were the bachelorette and that was really important to you you know you said you'd wanted to be a journalist since you're a teenager so no I, 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 I loved no, it like I yeah.
0: love my job I love my work and I didn't want that to to be gone forever so that's how I did it yeah I just kind of kept out of the media for a while so that it wasn't that you know every headline was bachelorette georgia love bachelorette blah, blah blah and i started becoming so kind of waiting until i was seen as georgia love mm. not bachelorette georgia love and then kind of slowly started like dipping my toe back in and you know working a couple like some freelancy bits in news and it was a long time when i very first started out that you know not just the public but people in my newsroom were my very first day in the channel 10 newsroom put my stuff down at the desk and this one girl goes like oh it must be like really hard. Do you find that you're just not taken seriously anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was like, okay. Well, apparently, um, apparently. Thank you. Thank you. So Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of having to prove myself, but I don't mind that. I'm someone that thrives off that. I think mm. that's something I really learned from my mum. If someone tells me I can't do something, then you be damn sure I'm going
1: to do it. <laughs> yeah, thank um, you for giving me that fodder. I'm going to do it even better than you <laughs> ever expect. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. just to spite you, even though you don't actually care. <laughs> oh, my God, I know. I'm exactly the same. I totally relate to that. Like, yeah, give me that fuel. <laughs> I'll use it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and so,
0: so I just worked really hard. I didn't stick my head in anything. I just, you know, kept to myself and just did my, my job and did my work. And, you know, I think slowly people were like, oh, she's actually – pretty good yeah. oh shit, actually, I kind of like her. Like, she's a nice, normal person who's a good journalist. Like, maybe we should
1: yeah. accept her for that. <laughs> well, it's not like you went yeah. on to The Bachelorette to get into TV. You were already working in TV, uh, you know. Like, a lot of people and reality shows do do that because they want to do that. But you, there's no need for that narrative. Exactly right. Yeah, and also
0: I can guarantee you nobody is going on The Bachelorette to try to become a journalist because <laughs> the pay is shit, the work is hard, <laughs> the work is long. Like, no one is going Going on the bachelorette to try to get that job but tell you what maybe like you know getaway reporter but not not crime reporter for channel 10 news
1: (laughs) yeah and so what does your work life look like now because I know you do a mixture of things yeah yeah so um I,
0: I do obviously general news reporting for channel 10 um which I love and that's probably oh probably about four days a week um, I do that Uh, I also do weather presenting throughout the year in both Sydney and Melbourne I work for Studio 10 which is the the morning show for Channel 10 which is out of Sydney too I I fill in on the panel there or I do kind of OBs for there I also host my own podcast called Everyone Has an X um, and I do a lot of freelance writing so I don't like to sit still Theory of it is probably the best answer. Yeah, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I love everything that I do, and if I see an opportunity to do that, you know that I could do something else, or if I enjoy something else, then I'll do it. Yeah,
1: because
0: why not? Life's short. Sure, enjoy what you're doing.
1: Exactly. Good on you. Now we talk a lot about self care. How do you look after yourself and keep you feeling well, especially as you are working a lot? <laughs> Made myself sound like, sound like such a nerd in this
0: interview, no, but we love, love we love nerds. Nerds are okay, great. Good. <laughs> I'm a nerd. We're all um, nerds. Yeah. I'm, good. All right. Good. I knew I liked you. <laughs> um, I I love my my favorite self care thing to do ever is no matter what time of the day it is, but when I finished work for the day or when I'm giving myself a day off, is no makeup, hair not done, pajamas mm. or loungewear on, and read a book for as long as I possibly have time to do it. It's just so good. It's my form of of like meditation, I, I, I'm i no good at kind of traditional meditation, but if I get myself lost in a book, that's the only time I'm really properly switched off. You know, mm. my mind is only on this one thing. I'm not thinking about a zillion other things the rest of the time. So that's just my, my number one self-care tip and, you know, mm. put on a nice sheet mask and look <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um, but I love it it's, and it's just about, i mean that's a that's one method of something physically I do, but I suppose in more general terms, my idea of self-care is that time to yourself. Mm. Um life is so busy these days, well, not these days, but, you know, (laughs) two months ago these days it it was so busy. (laughs) I genuinely uh, hope that people take some kind of silver lining from this whole pandemic in being able to stop and have time Mm. for yourself. Obviously, this has been a forced and awful way and reason to do it, but I hope that people will take some cadence out of you know the the positives that might come from slowing down and staying in a few nights a week and not having to do your hair and makeup every day and not having to rush around to get to work and mm. you know maybe more people will take more self care and yeah. uh, in putting themselves first and things like that. I think everyone's feeling really rejuvenated and reinvigorated, which is a good thing.
1: Mm. How strange does it feel on the days that you do put makeup on? I'm like, who is this person? I don't even recognise you anymore. <laughs> I <know. laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? You're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what have you done with your eyes? You for months, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I tell you, I'm not ready to get a facial again. Oh, my God. I so thing. I haven't had pimples since I was a teenager. Now I've. I mean it's not bad if I look like a teenager right but yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> What is um what is some advice you would give to your younger self knowing what you know now
0: Oh I think just to trust in the process to trust in the world Mum would always laugh something in my life that like I mean a lot of people are like this but every big decision that's been made in my life has been like a sliding doors do you choose A or B I've had so many of these big moments in my life from Things, you know, like when I've been offered jobs, for instance, the job down in Tassie, I was also offered a job At channel 10 in Melbourne the same week but Mm. it was a producing job and I wanted to report and blah blah boring but it was like literally okay do I take the job in Melbourne where all my family and friends are but the job's not as good or do I move to a state where I know absolutely nobody that were you know that was one example of that Been these little examples the whole time through my life and probably none bigger than the bloody bachelorette you know which (laughs) Face through the choice at the end, which person do you choose? And my life has been this this series of big A or B choices, um, and I've oh god, I couldn't count the hours I've spent deliberating and, and you know which choice do I make? So I think mm. the best advice I could give my young self is. Trust in yourself, trust in the process, whichever choice you make will be the right one Mm. Um, because I love my life and, you know, despite the bad and the negative things that have happened, I'm, I'm in a really great place. I've had a wonderful life and I'm very happy. So I think I would just tell my younger self to just, just trust in the process. Mm. You'll you'll be all right, kid. Yeah, you do.
1: You'll do pretty well. You do good. Yeah. <laughs> also, you marry a really hot guy, so well done. Yay, that's <laughs> exciting. You've got a lot to look forward to. You've given us so much <laughs> advice, and the advice you would give your younger self. What is some advice you would like to share to other women that are listening? Oh, I think the the best, best, best advice we can give each each
0: other, especially as women, is just to believe in yourself, have confidence in yourself. Don't let anybody tell you what you should be doing, what you should look like, anything like that. And I know that's so easy to say and it's so much harder to do, but really at the end of the day, who gives a shit what, sorry, if I'm not going to say no, what you look like, okay? Mm. <laughs> Who cares what you look like? If you don't care in yourself, then I guarantee no one else will either. It all comes from what you feel in yourself. You know, I was telling that story before about how I feel like I can't wear bikinis anymore and I hate myself for that because that's everything, it goes against everything that I feel and that I know. You know, I'm I'm not your, your normal, typical Instagram reality TV, six pack bikini girl with with puffed up lips. And a lot of people in my position would have become that because they would have felt the pressure to become that. But stuff that I love pasta and I want a piece of vanilla slice for dessert I'm not going to not have that so I look good on the front cover of a magazine I, I look good in my own mirror and I've had a delicious dinner so that's way more important so I don't I don't know um so much the advice on how how to kind of gain that confidence in yourself I think that's the hardest part but I think looking within yourself and looking at who you are and you know taking a break from social media every. Mm now and then and not comparing yourself to someone because at the end of the day someone will be comparing themselves to you in that they're looking at you and thinking oh god I wish I looked like her or you know god I wish I had that job or god I wish I had her relationship there is always someone looking at you thinking you've got it amazing so find your confidence from that person. Mm. Even if you don't know who that person is, Mm. find your confidence in what that person is, is thinking you're absolutely nailing.
1: Yeah, that's such good advice. I know you are a big reader. So what have you been reading or watching at the moment, especially during this old lockdown time? I know, I know. I've been reading heaps actually. Um, I have just finished
0: uh, Normal People. I wanted to finish that just before the series came out. And I I liked it. I didn't love it. There's a lot of oh, I hype for there. I didn't yeah, love, love. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think there's a bit much hype. I'm actually reading a book at the moment, which isn't out until next month. But it's a, a girl I work with. Is actually it's her first fiction novel so she's given me a copy to read and I'm obsessed so look for this when it comes out it's called Sticks and Stones um and the author is Catherine Firkin Thanks um, for coming scoop. out in early June mm-hmm. I know I, honestly and it's not because I know her like if I if the, the book was shit I would be like just not talking about it <laughs> it's I'm like, <laughs> like halfway through it's one of the I, I really love thrillers yeah same yeah it's one of those ones that there's like Five different yeah. stories all going on and I love these books. It's so exciting because I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? all going to come together at some point and I don't know how. So i have absolutely loved. I'm right in the depths of that at the moment. So um, if it's got a terrible ending, I'll, I'll give you an update just in case. But anymore, I don't think it's really good at the moment.
1: <laughs> Aww, thank you so much for your time, Georgia. I really appreciate it. I've loved chatting with you and I hope when I'm able to come back to Melbourne soon we can catch up again because it was so much fun. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, and I'm sorry I've had to do it from afar, but hey, how good is
1: technology? I know. It was actually pretty good, so thank you so much. And I will see you in person next time. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast please subscribe for weekly episodes and catch up on the backlog of eps you may have missed. Until the next episode, make sure you're following the Self Love Club at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram for daily content, IGTV clips of interviews and you can find me at Bell Crawford. Plus find resources and articles on my website bellcrawford.com with a new recommendations page with my book club, all of the good shows to watch and also you can actually listen to all of the podcast interviews ever on the self-love club on the podcast page we've got heaps of incredible guests coming out with weekly episodes available each monday i'll catch you really soon ellie the most Kay, bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more